0: You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. We finish up our series today entitled, One Thing, One Thing. Now, one thing that we have done well as a church uh during all of this uh past 2020 this year of uh, what we would call the pandemic is we kept the main thing the main thing we continued to preach the gospel we uh saw people get saved we actually baptized when we were shut down when it was just us here doing the live stream and the praise team Uh, And, you know, the goal, the serve, love, and reaching out to our community. But there's so many things that we can do better and we want to do better. Uh, But I'll say more about that uh, today in our business meeting. But today we talk about first things. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been so worried about anything at any time in your life that you couldn't sleep. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because this place would probably be full. Now, I have one, two, at least three people that I know of. My former church, I had a pastor that told me this, and I had a guy who's 20 years military tell me this, and then we had a couple over at our house for dinner last night, and he told me this. They tell me, we really don't worry. When we lay our head on the pillar, it takes about 30 seconds for me to go to sleep. I don't like those people. <laughs> because, like, when we would go hunting, my buddy that was retired military, he knew that he had to get a nap when he could. So he had these two big recliners in his camp house, and he said, well, I'm going to take a nap. And we had, like, two hours before we'd go back hunting. And he would get there, and he was gone in 30 seconds. And it just wore me out looking at him. How does you do this? How do you just sleep? Same thing with my former pastor friend that would do that. And then last night, here's a guy telling me, man, it just takes me, you know, about 30 seconds. I said, you know, people used to tell me that, you know, my other two friends would tell me that that is a sign of a clean conscience. I said, oh, no, you don't have a conscience if you can go to sleep like that. So that was just my opinion. Some of you can identify with that, can't you? But have you ever been so worried about anything at any time in your life that you couldn't sleep? I don't mean just for a day or two. But I mean weeks or maybe even months. Especially this past year. Uh, think about it. Uh, with the pandemic and all of the political unrest. So if you have, listen to this true story. A man was dealing with a problem related to his ministry that was going on about three to four hours of sleep a night. Different friends and co-workers would comment to him jokingly that they would get an email from him at 11.30, 12 a.m., then a follow-up email at 3 to 3.30 in the morning. Now, I've gotten those same types of texts and emails from some of you in this church, believe it or not. The man knew that he couldn't keep going. Physically, his energy was being sucked down the drain of worry. Emotionally, his happiness was being blown away by the wind of worry. Spiritually, his joy was being burned up in the furnace of worry. Then literally, one day... His worry basically dissipated. It wasn't that he no longer cared because not worrying doesn't mean you quit caring. It is not that he did not quit thinking about what he could do to deal with the situation because worrying does not mean that you just give up. You don't just do as the old saying goes, let go and let God. Look at this. There is a difference between between being proactive toward a problem and being preoccupied with a problem. There's a difference between being active and solving a problem and being anxious that you have one. What happened is that he realized that his priorities were out of order. This is also illustrated in a story about Desert Storm. Now, this is our government at work. Listen to this. There was a colonel by the name of William Post. He was in charge of receiving all of the incoming supplies for the United States ground forces. Among these supplies were the tons of food that would come in every day. One day, Colonel Post received a message from the Pentagon requesting that he account, get this, for 40 cases of missing grape jelly. The colonel sent a soldier to investigate the missing jelly. And the soldier reported back that he couldn't find it. Colonel Post made his report and assumed that would be the end of it. After all, it was just grape jelly. Remember, the government is involved. The Pentagon continued to press the colonel, pointing out that they needed to close the books for the month. And they couldn't just let jelly vanish. They ordered him to give an all-out effort to find the jelly. Well, the colonel had had enough. And he sent back this short response. Sirs, you must decide. I can dispatch the entire army to find your missing jelly, or I can dispense the entire army to liberate Kuwait, but I can't do both. He never got a reply, and he didn't any longer worry about the jelly. This wise colonel realized something that his superiors did not. Here it is. When your priorities are out of order, you will be preoccupied by the wrong things, focused on the wrong things, and the result is worry that is both unproductive and unnecessary. Well, two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of focusing on one thing. And I ask you to do just one thing that would make an unbelievable difference in your life. I ask all of us to read the Bible through this year. And I'm asking you basically just to open up an envelope, which is a message, which is a love letter, a personal message to you from God himself. And that is exactly what happens when you read the good news of the word. Now I want to go deeper today. Focusing on one thing or just a few things can be dangerous If it is the wrong things that is why I want to talk about first things when we focus on the wrong things It leads to a problem that we all have to deal with to one degree or another It is called worry Turn with me if you haven't already to Matthew 6 or you can follow on the screen And the greatest sermon ever preached in the history of the universe The Sermon on the Mount, the single longest section of that message deals with worry. So here's Jesus is in verse 25. He says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, I find it amazing that Jesus pointed out that people worried about things 2,000 years ago. Just like we worry today, in fact, worried somewhat about similar things. Now, they're not exactly the same things, but he says in verse 25, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, particularly here in America, we don't normally worry about having something to drink, eat, or wear. Even though there are people who are struggling, and though I'm not denying there are some hungry children and perhaps adults in the country, but when was the last time you literally heard of people starving to death in America? You see, they just changed the terminology. We still worry about life. We still worry about mortgage payments. We still worry about paying off college loans. We still worry about car insurance. We still worry about medical bills. Poor people spend their life looking for money, and rich people spend their life storing it up. See, poor people worry that they don't have any money, and rich people worry that they don't have enough. People are really worrying about what's going on in our country today more than any other time I can remember. Amen? It's like we have two Americas. Jesus does mention something in verse 25 that people worried about 2,000 years ago and still worry about, and that is our body. You see, everybody is born with this self consciousness of how they look and how they appear to others. Now, here I am outdating myself here, but listen, now dating myself, Paul Harvey. Everybody remember? Paul Harvey once told of an old man he knew who put braces on his false teeth so he would look younger. Now, buddy, that's going overboard, isn't it? Huh? There is one thing in particular that all of us in this room worry about, think about, stays on our mind, and it plays on our mind. That is, we worry about the future. Which is why Jesus concludes the message with this lesson in verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I say amen and amen to that verse. You see, we allow the clouds of tomorrow to cover up the sunshine of today. Now, I'm going to tell you something that you already know. If you want to live a life that is unproductive and unhappy, you just spend it doing one thing that is totally unnecessary, and that is worry. Jesus does all of us a big favor. He evaluates the reason that we worry. He then eliminates the cause of worry and elevates us above worry. So first, he is going to give us the negative side of the problem. Then he is going to give us the positive side of the solution. So he is determined to put a stop to worry. Three times in this passage, in verse 25, 31, and 34, he repeats a phrase, therefore, do not be anxious. So this brings us to our first point this morning. What is worry? Now, the Greek word for anxious, or what we call worry, is a combination of two smaller words. One word means to divide, and the other word means the mind. The English word, actually for worry, actually means, comes from an old German word, W-R-G-E-N, meaning to choke or to strangle. And that's exactly what worry does, doesn't it? It just strangles us. It just chokes us. Listen, it divides us, and it keeps you and I from accomplishing what God's plans is for our life. In other words, to worry is to have a divided mind. Worry strangles the life out of you. There is a phenomenon known today as multitasking. How many of you will say that you're good at multitasking? Raise your hand. Okay. If we are honest, we know that when you multitask, you're really not doing anything very well. I mean, I call Lori at least once a day, and we'll get to talking, and it won't be long. She says, will you please get off of your computer? Because I'll be sitting there trying to answer something or do something. Anybody ever done that? Right? She can always tell. She always says, get off your computer. Quit trying to text while you're on the phone with me. Listen. A divided mind always leads to diminished performance. So how do you stop worrying? Well, one thing we know doesn't work. Have you ever been worried about something? And somebody says, well, quit worrying about it. Ever had that happen? Has that ever helped you? Huh? Has that ever helped you? Can I just be honest? The people that tell me that, I begin to worry about them. Okay. That's what happens. Jesus does something that is just unbelievable. He does something that no other psychologist would have ever thought about. He said, one of the ways to quit worrying is this. Become a bird watcher. Huh? Look at the next verse in 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Than they? Have you ever seen a stressed-out bird? Have you ever seen a bird pacing on a limb back and forth, worried about what he's going to eat? Now I've known this for many years in my study especially when he even talks about a sparrow you know the sparrows are those little things you see at mcdonald's and everywhere boom 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 in, in and under tables just eating 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 but i discovered there has never been a bird in medical history that has been treated for hypertension high blood pressure or stress so jesus said to learn a lesson from the birds they sing They chirp, they fly, and build nests, but they don't worry. They don't know that they have a God in heaven who takes care of them, but we do. Amen? There's a lot you can learn from birds and what not to do. By the way, have you ever heard this expression, he or she eats like a bird? You've heard that, right? Well, let me just remind you that birds can eat two to three times their body weight, okay, every day. In fact, if the human beings, as we call ourselves, ate like a bird, he would be consuming somewhere between 300 and 500 pounds of food every day. I guess it is true that some of us eat like birds, isn't it? (laughs) Then Jesus takes us. From watching birds now to doing math. Look at verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? You see, you don't add one thing to your life when you worry. You wish you weren't so short. Worrying won't make you taller. You wish you weren't overweight. Worrying won't lose a pound. You wish you had more time. Worrying won't give you another minute. Worrying never solved a problem, never dried a tear, never lifted a burden, and never removed an obstacle. Worry has never made a bad thing good or a good thing better. Think of that. Never. Worrying is like shoveling smoke. You ever shovel smoke? Huh? Huh? Word is like shoveling smoke. You're not any better off when you're done than you were when you started. Now listen, if you don't get anything else out of this message this morning, in a moment I want you to write down two statements. And this is where God really began to speak to me. You remember back a few weeks ago when, after I kind of had my accident and I shared that one thing God really gave me a word was surrender because, listen, As a pastor, you got to understand, during this pandemic, uh, we, we, you know, I worried. I sinned. I worried. God, what are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Financially, how are we going to do this? Lord, what if we do this? What if we do that? You know what I mean? And I was doing all of that stuff, doing all of that stuff. And God just told me to surrender. Actually, if you haven't seen the Lyman News, there's a big article today that some of us uh, churches have done and Me and Michael Green and Ben, we were a part of this article today. But how did y'all do all this? How was church this year? How was it different? It's a very good article, but it's very true. And I want you to think about all of that. You see, the goodness of God has been running after us like that song. This is what I want you to understand. He has been way maker. He has been miracle worker. And because of his goodness to us, There are two things you should never, ever worry about. So here you go. Number one, never worry about things you can change. Never worry about things you can change. Now that makes sense. If you are worried about something you can change, instead of worrying about it, change it. Second, never worry about things you can't change. Now I could preach all day on that one. That makes sense. Worrying is not going to change anything you can't change. And if you can't change it, why worry about it? Except for the things you can change and the things you can't change, I invite you to worry about anything else. Now, Jesus gets down to the root of the problem. The problem is a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. Look at 28 through 30. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He has talked about the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, and boils our whole problem down to one thing. You know what it is? Puny faith. Then Jesus just kind of sticks the knife in and just twists it real hard right here in verses 31 and 32. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Do you know what worry really is? Worry is practical atheism. Worry is practical atheism. Let me just make it simple as A, B, C, D. A, there is a God. B, that God is in control of my life. C. That God loves me and cares for me. So here's D. Why worry? Can I get amen on that? The only reason at the bottom of why we worry is because we either don't believe there is a God or even if we do, we don't believe he is really in control of our lives. Or even if we do, we don't believe He cares. And that is the truth. Otherwise, there is no need to worry. Now let me just go back to what's going on in our country. The Bible already told us that there would be trials. There would be tribulations. Do we understand that? Jesus has spent all of this time... In all these verses, talking about the problem from a negative standpoint. Now, what is the solution from a positive standpoint? Well, the solution, here's the last point, is proper focus. Proper focus. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The operative word, the most important word is this entire passage is that in this passage is that word first. Are you ready for this? The solution to worry is simply putting first things first. Now, I've saved the key takeaway for the last part of this message because this is what I want you to walk out the door with today, okay? So here's the key takeaway. Proper priorities promote peace. When you are focused on the right things You won't be worried about the wrong things. Jesus says there are two things you ought to stay laser focused on in your life every day. You know what that is? His kingdom and his righteousness. To put it another way, I am to focus on God's rule over my life and God's righteousness in my life. Now, let me tell you what I mean by focus. I'm not talking uh, about focusing with your eyes. I'm talking about focusing with your heart. Focusing with your eyes involves seeing. But see, focusing with your heart involves surrender. Now, we're going to distill Jesus' sermon and mine to one sentence. Here it is. Surrender your worries and focus on his will. Surrender your worries and focus on his will. It's just that simple. Because see, proper priorities promote peace, right? And misled, misplaced priorities, what? Multiplies worry. No matter what you say your priorities are in your life, what you worry about is really your priority. If you're worried more about making money than you are spending time with your children, you may say your priority is your family, but it's not. If you're worried more about buying that brand new TV than you are giving God his tithe, you may say your priority is God's work, but it is not. If you are worried more about how to cover up a sin than you are about admitting it and repenting of it, you may say you are connected about getting right with God, but you're not. Every day, your first priority should be His rule over your life and His righteousness in your life. Guess what happens? When you focus on His will, He takes care of your worries. Listen again to verse 33. But seek first, The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. You see, you focus on what God wants to do in you and through you on a daily basis. And He will take care of what needs to happen for you. Now here's the conclusion. Verse 34. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, look one way at a time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then live one day at a time. Meet today's problems with today's strength. Don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. But you know why? Because God doesn't give you any strength. To face tomorrow. He just gives you strength to face today. Listen to this story. Many years ago, William Osler, a renowned, renowned Canadian doctor, gave a speech to the students of Yale University on how to make the most out of life. He told the story of going aboard an ocean liner and he was visiting with the ship's captain when a loud piercing alarm sounded, followed by the strange grinding and crashing uh, sound below the deck. The captain said, those are watertight compartments closing. It's an important part of our safety drill. In case of real trouble, water leaking into one compartment won't affect the rest of the ship. Even if we were to collide with an iceberg the way the Titanic did, water rushing in will fill only that particular ruptured compartment. It cannot get to the rest of the ship. Taking that as an illustration, This is what Osler said to those students. Each one of you is certainly a much more marvelous organization than that great liner and bound on a far longer voyage. What I urge is that you learn to master your life by living each day in a tight compartment and this will certainly ensure your safety throughout your entire journey of life. Touch a button. And hear at every level of your life the iron door shutting out the past. The dead yesterdays. Touch another, shut off with a metal curtain the future. The unborn tomorrows. Then you will be safe for today. Do not think of the amount you have to accomplish. The difficulties you have to overcome. But set earnestly at the little task near your elbow letting that be sufficient for the day. For surely our plain duty is not to see what lies ahead, lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. In other words, just what Jesus said, look one way at a time and live one day at a time. Now I want to ask you to do something. We have 50 weeks left in this year. Go home today. Sit down. Take out a sheet of paper. Write down three to five of the top things you're worried about. Then this is what I want you to do. I want you to surrender every single one of them to Jesus. Shift your focus. Change your priorities. And be obsessed with his kingdom and his righteousness. And let, worry, let him worry about everything else for you. Well, here's the ultimate question. I don't know who wrote these words, but they're well worth hearing. What does your life revolve around? Remember this as you consider your answer. We have made ourselves the center of everything in this world, but God will be at the center of everything in heaven. The decision you made or will make, either for or against Christ. Should be measurably by what your life revolves around. If it is not God, you won't like heaven and you probably won't get to go there. You make sure the one or two or three things you do this year are the first things you ought to do, be ought to be doing, and God will take care of everything else. Let's pray together. If you're here today, can I just ask you honestly with the, what's going on in our country, but even maybe in your own life, nobody looking around, say, Pastor, I really need that you, for you to pray that God would just release this worry in my life. Would you just raise your hand and just be honest right now, hands up everywhere, everywhere. Go ahead and put them down. Now, this is a prayer I want you to pray, silently. It's something that I've mentioned in this church three or four times that my mother gave me when I was 17 years old. And this is what I want you to just ask to the Lord. Say this to the Lord right now. Say, dear Lord Jesus, help me to understand that there is no trial, no trouble, or no circumstance that can ever touch me. Until first of all, it's gone past God, past Christ, then right through to me. But I refuse to become panicky as I lift up my eyes and realize that it has come that far. It must have come as some purpose of blessing to my own heart. Father, thank you for hearing my prayer. For others of you today, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to invite him into your heart. And you just pray this prayer silently. Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I ask that you come into my heart and forgive me of all my sin. Father, thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. And Lord, thank you for raising up from the dead. That God, one day you will come back to receive us. But Father, if I were to die today, God, now I know that I would be with you. Because I've asked you to come into my heart as Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer today, then you just became a child of God. In a moment, we're going to open up this altar. And as we talk about and sing about the goodness of God, many of you, God has been good to you. If you just want to come and thank God for that or whatever, but whatever you need to do today to leave at this altar, our pastors will be here. We'll be glad to pray for you. Father, today, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for who you are. And Lord, today, I pray that there would be many that would... Just release this thing called worry. And God, for someone who has prayed to receive you, that God, they would come today and make that public. So Lord, we just leave it all in your hands. We thank you for being with us today. In your precious name, I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.